simpletons. You're listening to the Minimalist Private Podcast. We're here with Dr. Julia Raz. We're talking about... Well, today I want to talk to you about consumer mausoleums. (laughs) We'll talk about that in a moment. But first, let's read some more about less. Here's an article we have. We use this little segment, Julia, as a a jump-off point to discuss something. So I have an article here from AbundantLifeWithLess.com. And the article is called Seven Tough Love Decluttering Tips. Mm. And I thought, Mm -hmm. because you're a professional organizer, sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to show up with tough love. Mm. And you're showing up with an objective view. Because we... Well, we cling to everything because it's so sentimental. It means so much to me. Yeah. But if everything means something to me, if it's all meaningful, then nothing's meaningful. If it's all mm-hmm. sentimental, then nothing is sentimental. If everything is precious, then nothing is precious. Mm. And so I want to talk to you about these seven tough love decluttering tips. We'll put a link to this in the show notes as well. You can read the full article if you'd like. Number one is stop overhauling your stuff. Years ago, when my kids were babies, I pulled up to a garage sale loaded with kids' stuff. I'm a big fan of thrifting, especially kids' clothes. You can find some high-quality pieces if you know where to look. As I started to sift through her collection of baby items, I noticed she had priced her stuff super high. I'm talking oddly high for used clothing. Like any good garage sailor... I naturally tried to negotiate. (laughs) When I offered her a more reasonable dollar figure for a couple of used onesies, she turned to me offended and said, no, that's less than I paid for them. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Confused, I nodded and subtly moonwalked back to my car. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, we had different garage sale philosophies, but I imagine at the end of the day, that she was still left with a pretty full garage. Mm. Remember, when selling your excess stuff, it is only worth what a stranger will pay for it. Overvaluing your possessions will keep your home cluttered indefinitely. Dude, But isn't that exactly what we do? Uh, It's absolutely what we do. And pretty much every single person that I work with tells me I spent so much on this item. I Mm. can't let it go. Whatever it is. I hear this every single day. Uh, And, you know, we were talking earlier about the why. I always remind them why I'm there and what they want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And that because they spent that money doesn't mean they deserve to get it back later. It's such a hard pill to swallow. And I'm glad we're talking about something like this because I'm known for being brutally honest while gentle simultaneously. (laughs) I know how to get a balance there of saying it like it is at the right times. And this can be really, really hard for people. When I'm training my staff for my organizing business, I don't encourage them to tell our clients to sell. That's not on our list of things that we encourage. We encourage donating. We encourage buy nothing groups. um, But we don't encourage selling. (laughs) That's usually the like last thing we're encouraging. Now, of course, it's on a case-by-case basis. But they usually have thought about selling it at some point, but they have not brought themselves to do it yet, which is why I'm there to begin with. There's all of these things that they haven't taken care of yet. And so ultimately, my goal is to try to you know, get the stuff to exit their home that they no longer want in their home. Mm. And so if it's going to take a very long time or a lot of effort, which time is very valuable yeah. uh, to sell this, then I usually discourage them from doing that. But again, case by case basis. Yeah. But I'm going to go with the tough love here and I'm going to continue talking in that way because it very <laughs> much fits the way that I talk with my clients. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's yeah. Well, first off, I was deranged when I was getting rid of my stuff. Like, I had a TV <laughs> I spent you know six or seven hundred dollars on. I'm like, well, this thing's at least worth like five hundred dollars. I think yeah. I ended up selling it for like two hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the, a leather jacket that was on sale. Uh, it was like an Elder Beerman's when that was closing out of the Middletown Mall. Was that Elder Beerman's that was that got yeah. shut down and like it was like everything was 60, 70, 80% off. So I got this leather jacket, $500 leather polo jacket at 80% off. And it looked pretty good on me, but like it wasn't great. Uh-huh. So I didn't wear it all the time. And long story short, I ended up like just giving it away because at a certain point, I did have to realize the sunk cost of like, mm-hmm. hey, look, this cell phone. It might have been worth, you know, retailed at $500, but two years later, it's not retailing even close to that. So, yeah, I think there's a little bit of derangement that goes on for sure. But I was thinking as a professional organizer, I would think like um, helping them set up a garage sale, like my mind is like, that's actually a good idea. It's like this this interim step. But then I'm like, no, I see what you're saying. Like, it's like, no, let's just like get straight to it. We're not going to, we're not going to like figure out what you can sell. What? Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. I, yeah, that's an interesting approach. I I, I see why. Yeah. I see why you do that. Yeah. Buy nothing groups are great. We can post to a local group and have people pick up that day and getting to see the faces of those people that we give them to for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. It's so meaningful too. Uh, It's great when you can give it to someone in your community. Yeah. And um, the people that I work with uh, typically are not in such a dire financial situation that it's going to be make or break if they can't sell that one item. Um, But again, I'm going to all evaluate this on a case-by-case basis. But in general, I would yeah. prefer to give if we can, uh, rather than trying to sell whatever that is, because there's a reason they haven't done it yet. It yeah. didn't just They didn't just decide today. It's probably something they've been putting off for a very mm-hmm. long time. The, the process that I had for myself when I was learning to let go, how mm-hmm. to let go of possessions was try to sell a thing if it costs more than 20 bucks, whatever that Mm -hmm. threshold was. Mm -hmm. For me, it was 20. And now it'd be like if it's more than 100. Mm -hmm. But I was in debt at the time. So Mm -hmm. I was also trying to pay off debt. I didn't have the Mm -hmm. financial means to simply just give everything away. And so here was my process. It was list the thing. I have to list it today, though. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't sell in seven days, you lower the price. If it doesn't sell in 30 days, you donate it. If you can't donate it, you recycle it. If you can't recycle it, then and only then, as an absolute last resort, do you trash it? Mm-hmm. But what does that mean? It means within 30 days, that thing is out of my life for good. Yeah. I find that with donating things rather than trying to sell it to, it's a really great reminder of your choices with purchasing. Like when you're giving it away and you're not getting anything back, it's reminding you, oh, I did spend that money. I never use it. It was taking up space. Maybe I'm going to think the next time before I buy whatever that item is. So at least for me personally, that's been incredibly helpful Mm -hmm. when I have let go of things that I didn't use. I'll give an example. Soda Stream. I bought one of these for myself thinking (laughs) I was going to be healthier and not drink canned soda. I didn't use it. I didn't like it at all. Yeah. I ended up giving it away. And I was like, why did I spend money on it? I just <laughs> needed to be honest with myself about who I am here. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I think, you know, wh- if you can donate it, it is great on so many levels. You yeah. are helping another person in need, uh, potentially, depending on the item, I guess. Yeah. And then also, you're really uh, able to reflect on your own purchasing choices. Yeah, it just mm-hmm. creates like a little bit of discomfort where you're like, just another layer of like, uh, why you would avoid buying something like that Mm -hmm. in the future. Yeah, Yeah, feeling that pain now helps you understand the true cost of that item, right? Mm -hmm. Because the cost of it is never the price tag. We've Mm -hmm. talked about that. You spend $100 on a jacket, but there's the cost of storing it, taking care of it, worrying about it. Is it going to get stolen? Is it going to get ruined? Whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. But then there's also the cost of getting rid of it. 
what am I going to do with this? Mm. I've been really fortunate where, where Bex and I move. Ryan just came up to our house for the first time yeah. recently. The neighborhood that we live in, the local custom is to put a box out on the curb and it just you put a free free stuff sign on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people come by and they either pick up the stuff and they try to sell it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You see yard sales all the time. And so people people just like picking up other people's stuff and then selling it. But I don't even have to take a trip to the Goodwill because you know what? That broken ro- waffle iron, if I write broken waffle iron, someone might still want it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it out for a day. If no one picks it up for a day, then I'll try to find another home for the thing. But, uh, I noticed that almost always, 90 plus percent of the time, mm. they're picking up all of the the excess stuff that we're no longer getting value from. And so the title of this Maximal episode is Consumer Mausoleums, because a lot of things die in our home when we don't realize that mm. they are dead. And it could be stuff. It's no longer there. And so it's just sort of we've created a mausoleum of stuff, Right. But we've all, we also do that with other areas of our life, our relationship, our careers, mm. the cities. They're dead to us. And yet we they become sort of ghosts just haunting our, our homes. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> Number two on this list, Ryan, stop buying stuff you don't need. There's this great SNL skit, skit with Steve Martin and Amy Poehler from 2013 called Don't Buy Stuff. You can watch it here and there's a link here. It's a bit snarky, but if you're still reading, I think you can handle it. My best tip for living clutter-free is to stop buying stuff you don't truly, deeply, actually need. If your home is filled to the brim, stop bringing more stuff in. My grace-based approach to minimalism encourages readers to declutter at a pace that works for them, ignore minimalist misconceptions, and set realistic decluttering goals. It encourages people to stop focusing on how their minimalism looks from the outside, but rather how it changes you and your home from the inside out. Julia, can we talk about this? Because, yes, we can clear out everything from our home, but it can quickly become recluttered. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I feel like I'm becoming a bit of a broken record talking about the why here, right? So if all you do is clear the stuff out, you're not getting to the root cause mm-hmm. of things. I have actually a neighbor down the block from me who is has a hoarded home, which is visible from the street. That's the only reason I say that. It's very mm-hmm. visible. The clutter is over the fence level. Uh, it's part of why I don't leave stuff on the street, actually, because I'm concerned it will just end up in this house down oh, the block from yikes. from where I live. Yeah. Um, if we went in there and cleared everything out, I think this person would be devastated, but they probably would just reclutter the space very quickly as well. So until we do that, uh, things will just continue to come in. My daughter's birthday is coming up next week. And as the party supplies were entering my home, I started getting anxiety. I'm like, oh, do I have these things? I, mm. I start getting the stress. I'm like, okay, it's for the party. It's okay. But I'm always very acutely aware of everything that I bring in and the intention behind mm. bringing it in. Um, it isn't about being cheap, too. Sometimes people think, oh, you just don't like to spend money. No, it's not that. I'm just very intentional about all of the purchases that I make. So yeah. like what I've heard the two of you talk about uh, in the past, uh, I always prioritize high quality items. So I have fewer of them. Mm. Far fewer probably than many people, but they're very high quality. And that's how I approach most things that I do in life too. Yeah, Yeah. I I will say, don't confuse cost with Mm -hmm. high quality, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I'll give you an example. Like Bex and I moved into this new home, Bex, Ella, and I. And 
we were like, oh, you know, the closets here are like super, super, they're not very functional, right? Mm-hmm. And like, we could use it being more functional. So we called someone from California Closets to come out and give us like an estimate to like, mm-hmm. can we put new shelves in here, basically? And they came back with an estimate. It'd be about ten to $12,000. For 12000 bucks, we could do whatever you want in here. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, they, we, they couldn't do whatever. It was, oh, wow. And it was even like, hey, you're actually going to lose a little bit of functionality here. And if you want the better finishes, it's going to be even more expensive than this. And so I went to Ikea and for about $160, bought a few bins to hold my underwear and t-shirts or whatever else. Mm -hmm. And so I did have a few things that were appropriate for organizing the closet, but I didn't have many things to organize. Mm. And so, yes, there could have been a higher quality solution if I would have thrown... Ten, I mean, if I would have gone into debt $10,000 for my closets, which I wouldn't have never right. done, yeah. but that didn't make sense. And so a few bins simply got us by way better. And I think it was even a better solution than if they were to custom our, make our closets, right? Yeah. Number three here says, wherever you go, you take you with you. <laughs> I know the feeling of wanting to just run to want to either donate it all or start from scratch or even move into a new home and start over. Maybe you think a larger home with more space or closets would do the trick. Or maybe you feel like you don't have the energy to tackle the clutter in your current home. I get it. We almost moved to, not because we needed to, but because we thought we needed more space for our, quote, growing family. Mm. However, It wasn't our children who needed more room to stretch their legs. It was that amount of stuff in our home. It was beginning to crowd out the people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I said earlier about how how I think most of us think of stuff first and space second. You know, whenever you're buying something, oh, I just want that. You're not thinking about the realities of the square footage of your home or even the other people in your home (laughs) and the dynamics in that family. You're thinking about only yourself Mm -hmm. uh, during that time. So I see the same problem regardless of the size of somebody's home of Mm -hmm. stuff. You know, I'll hear people say, I just need more space. Uh, I've been in an 8,000, 10,000 square foot house. They have the same problem as 800 square feet, Mm, right? They'll just fill it with more stuff. So it isn't a space problem. It is always a stuff problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mariah and I, it's interesting. No matter where we move, I just find that, like, so if we move to a smaller space, and Mariah will, you know, this specifically happened, like, where we're looking at this space, we really like the apartment, but Mariah was like, there's not a lot of, like, we're going to have to get rid of some stuff. And I'm like, okay, great. Like, this is what I've been doing for the last 10 years. So we did. (laughs) Like, we moved in, and, like, we got rid of some stuff, and it was great. And then uh, we moved out of that place to another place. It was a little bit bigger. And guess what? Like stuff like just finds its way creeping back in. So all that to say is like, no matter, yeah, what house, what, 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 what size your house is, um, your life is going to be crammed into it. Hmm. Um, I mean, I I still have some room to source some stuff. Like it's not like, you know, coming out of the cabinets or anything. And there's, I think there's probably a couple empty cabinets, but I will say when I have the extra space, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I will get that board game. Because like we love to play board games. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll add that, to my, add that to my collection. I can totally afford that room. And then, you know, a year goes by and, and you're like, wait a minute. Like, got to start calling them. I, I just brought a board game on to the show not too long ago because, yeah, li- li- little, little too many. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's the thing is the clutter does not accumulate overnight. Mm-hmm. And so you can let go of it relatively quickly. 
but it takes a while and you don't, so therefore you don't realize it's like a layer of dust. Mm. You know, things quite often are like dust. They accumulate until we notice it. Yeah. And then when there's a thick layer of dust and then all of a sudden you notice it, well, that took a little while for it to, to build up. Now, for me, with both dust and clutter, the thing that I do is I'm, I bring out that dust mop every day. Yeah. And I spend three minutes dust mopping. But there is sort of a metaphorical equivalent for that as well. Yeah. Constantly looking around at the things. We have this whole row of drawers in our kitchen where there's nothing in them at all. <laughs> and it's like, okay, it's not that I'm opposed to putting something in there, but there better be a really good reason for me to put something in there. Yeah. I do like spacing my things out. So some of those bins that I have in my closet, it's like literally I have a bin for my belt and just my belt goes in that <laughs> bin. And it's really simple and that's it. I don't, and it's easy to feel compelled. Oh, you know, there's more space in there. I might as well fill that bin with, mm. I guess I could put some socks in there or I could put some underwear or whatever it might be. And before I know it, mm-hmm. now it's to the brim with, suspenders <laughs> which i don't wear <laughs> but i could see myself as an aspirational purchase buying suspenders yeah. if i wasn't careful right? right yeah number four on the list here your family doesn't want your stuff either oh <laughs> that's a hard one that's that is a hard that's a hard piece of advice it, to give. i mean part of that may so some of that may be true uh-huh. right right i think even for my mom um she was talking about my grandmother's china with me, which she has stored in her attic. And hearing that none of her children want that, I think is very, very hard for her. So mm. there, that, there is some truth to this statement for some things. That is very true, yeah. unfortunately. And it's real, it can be really hard, especially if you have kids, grandkids, especially if you're aging. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a tough, it's a really tough one. Well, it's kind of like, you know, like a parent has this really nice thing. And they want, they don't use it themselves, but they know if someone, if it gets in the right hands, it's going to be used and it's going to be very nice and it's going to be functional. Um, so yeah, it's like we get caught on this feeling of, of, um, man, if it's not used in the right way, then somehow like I have failed passing this on, but just donating, it's okay. I had this like really nice leather, um, it was like a modern, like lazy boy looking thing. It wasn't like, you know, the big pillow where you like sink down it. It was, it was pretty sweet. Yeah, and uh, didn't want to bring it out to Montana, and I was trying to sell it. I couldn't sell it, and um, my mom asked if she could have it. She, I was talking about. It. She's like, "Oh, can I have it?" And I'm like, "Look around the place. I'm like, this does not go in your place." But then I was like, "Dude, like, it's your mother. She wants your lazy boy. Like, give it to her." And I gave it to her, and and now has you know cigarette hole burns in it and all that stuff. <laughs> but, <laughs> the fact that she asked for it, though. Yeah, but right? that's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, but yeah. but I, but there was something about me where I'm like. It doesn't fit in this room. And I was resistant to just saying, yes, you can have this lazy boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it becomes a problem when you try to gift things to siblings, to family members. And, you know, I, I oh, work yeah. with people often who uh, their parents just whenever they visit, bring stuff over, either their stuff or gifts always. right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, this is it's something that is tricky to navigate. And it's mm-hmm. all about really advocating boundaries to other people in your life. Because yeah. in the case where someone asks for that item, that's different than you just bringing it over and saying, here, here, I have this. It's for you now. Now you're burdening them with the stuff that they may not, you know, want. Now, yeah. ultimately, they get to choose what to do with it, which is what I tell people whenever they're like, my mom keeps bringing stuff over. You yeah. know, you're making that choice after the gift has been given. But it, yeah, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it is. And you know what? I have like had so many conversations with my mother about boundaries that like mm-hmm. she'll still bring stuff over. But she's always like, hey, if it doesn't fit with your life, like feel free to find it a better home, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. like huge that we were able to get there because before it was... There is this balance of like, you don't want to hurt someone's feelings, but you also don't want to 
make your place cluttered. Yeah. Yeah. My husband set a very firm boundary with my mom uh, about gifting my daughter because every time she would visit, she would bring a gift. So now we are Mm. at one gift for the birthday birthday and one gift over the holidays. Mm. And that's it. And if anything else comes in, it gets donated. So Mm. he's, uh, as I was sharing during our break, he moved here with one suitcase of belongings. So the person who had the clutter... (laughs) Very much. Yeah, I know. Uh, But the person who had the clutter problem in our relationship earlier on, that was me. I I was the one who was having to face uh, Mm. the stuff and all of the purchasing and things like that. So um, being with someone who is on the same page as me, arguably more extreme (laughs) views than I am, helps manage those relationships with other people in our family and stuff coming in. I find that most professional organizers or minimalists Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. whomever are often the people who had Mm -hmm. the struggles with the clutter because Mm. otherwise you wouldn't know. It's like a, a a wave going in and out. Like it, it only, you know, there's high tide because there's low tide. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as high tide. If there's only high tide. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. And the same thing is true with our stuff. Ryan and I have a low tide of stuff now, but at one point we had a, high tide. We Mm -hmm. had an overabundance of things that got in the way. Number five on this list, you're holding on to someday stuff that someone else needs right now. Mm. Generosity is the secret weapon to combat clutter. We can spend months hemming and hauling over whether we're one, we'll one day need those extra baking dishes or we can drop them off at the rescue mission thrift store and let them find their way to someone who could actually use them right now while funding a worthy community resource. That's like what I said earlier, too. I was yeah. like, just donate it if you can. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it feels so good when you do. Oh, yeah. it, it absolutely does. You're, you're helping yourself and helping other people. Yeah. Number six. You're not just messy or disorganized. You have too much crap. There's a little... How dare you? <laughs> there's a little quote here. Just as you should never give a toddler an open jar of glitter, neither, <laughs> neither should you give a messy person 24 <laughs> pairs of jeans, 68 t-shirts, 16 bras, 34 pairs of shoes. That is a recipe for disaster. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah, that is funny. (laughs) Number seven on the list here. Your clutter is robbing you of your life. I found over the years, whether in the form of stuff or something else entirely, distraction threatens to steal our time by, by luring our minds from the things that matter to the things that don't. I find that's true. I... When I have a cluttered space, I'm focusing on clutter. And by definition, clutter doesn't matter. The only reason that it matters in this context is it's in the way. Mm. And so we tend to focus on the things that are in the way. Well, how do you avoid that? The way you avoid it is by not having the clutter there, right? Anytime you have clutter, working to relentlessly remove it. Mm -hmm. Because the things that aren't cluttered today might be cluttered tomorrow. So I have to continue to remove. Otherwise, it does get in the way. And then it robs me of my life. We were talking earlier about when to hire a professional. And some types of clutter are much harder to go through than others. Uh, I've sat with someone for about five hours with one box of her deceased mother's belongings. She wasn't able to open the box. I forget how many years prior she had passed, maybe two or three years, Mm. but she needed someone there. And it was just sitting there in her home for Mm. years just to be able to move past it. It was reminded, she was reminded of it every single day because it was just sitting there. 
but she needed someone, that support system to start that process. So things like that, it's really helpful to have some trusted person with you to be able to let it go. You could TikTok that, Danny. <laughs> let's, uh, we got some surprise questions here. But before we do, let's, uh, let's talk to the chat. Anyone on the Patreon live stream right now? We do. We have a question from Jessica. She says, my living space has an abundance of shelves and cupboards, more than I can use. It allows for more open space, but can encourage organized clutter. How do you feel about built-in storage? Mm. I absolutely am a big fan of built-in storage if used appropriately. It's like, how do you feel about chainsaws? Mm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Depends on who's using it. Right. And because if I have a psychotic next door neighbor chasing me with a chainsaw, I don't like chainsaws. Right. If I have a, a landscaper. Yeah. Helping yeah. me prevent a tree from falling right. on my house, which we did this recently. Yeah. That chainsaw is really useful. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you the one thing that we we do regularly with our space is we have drawers with, that have dividers where one item goes there. And that's the boundary. You can't put a second or third or fourth item in there mm-hmm. because I've set up that rule for myself. So we can have, you know, the kitchen we moved into, it's a regular size kitchen. But our last apartment, Ryan, you had been there. It, the kitchen was very tiny. We didn't have yeah. a tiny house. We just had a tiny kitchen. Tiny kitchen, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I'll tell you that... We didn't have a whole lot of room. So we had one drawer for all of our spatulas and whisks and whatever else Bex has. I don't know those things. And <laughs> I'll tell you that now we have way more drawers, but it feels more organized because the built-in space, we have boundaries. Oh, three things go in this drawer. Two things go in this drawer. If I go beyond that boundary, then it starts to get cluttered. I think it's always about making the most of the space that you have. I don't feel one way or another about built-ins. They're there or they're not there. It's what you do with that space. That's all. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I I think built-in is awesome. I'm all for it. And I've even seen it in people's homes where it's completely empty because they don't have stuff to go on there. And mm-hmm. still, like, it's still looks beautiful even with nothing on it. Yeah. In a lot of, in a, yeah, in a lot of cases. I learned that with the California closets thing is I didn't need to add more built-ins. I needed a few bins because I don't like things just being on on the shelf. Mm -hmm. But even then, it was like, how can I do this aggressively simply? Mm -hmm. I don't don't want excess drawers and closet space. I don't want... I don't want to organize my clutter. I don't want to create a mausoleum for dead things. Mm. How am I going to use the space? What is my outcome? Because if I know how I'm going to use the space, then I can use it most effectively. Mm. And so if you have built-ins and you want to use those, wonderful. However, they can certainly get in the way too. I remember once Ryan and I were moving into an apartment together. We were looking for apartments in Missoula, Montana. And one place that we looked at just had all these built-in cabinets and drawers and walk-in closets that were about the size of this room. Mm. And I was like, oh, I don't want that. That's actually an anti-selling point. Yeah, like it was a beautiful place. Like it looked really good. It was, you know, in in a great part of town and it was in our price range. But yeah, it was just like, it was just like, oh, this is way too much. Like Mm -hmm. this is, we don't, our lives do not fit. It would be like us putting on like quadruple XLs. (laughs) <laughs> XL t-shirts or something. Yeah. Where do you find the clutter h- hides the most, Julie? I- I've noticed for mm-hmm. me, it was my basement, 
Now, we're in California, so there are fewer basements here. Mm-hmm. But in the Midwest, like everyone has a giant mausoleum underneath their house yeah. just for their stuff. Definitely Closets, the garage. cabinets, garage. Garage, yeah. right? if you have a garage. Yeah. Yeah, I think that most people use their garage as a storage unit mm-hmm. overall instead of storing a car, which is arguably the most valuable asset they could be storing in there that they choose to put stuff yeah. in there overall. And as you all are talking, it just reminds me of how I'm constantly in an existential crisis in this job. I mm. love it. But because I always respect people's decisions on their belongings, mm-hmm. oftentimes they're keeping much more than can still realistically fit. And I still have to make it work to the best of my ability. Yeah. And it's a crisis that I have constantly <laughs> because it's not that I'm trying to push minimalism onto anyone at all. Yeah. I just speak of what's worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do try to always keep it real and brutally honest <laughs> with what will work. But I am, you know, the, the question of organized clutter, I often have to still make things work even with the quantity of stuff which may not be reasonable, which yeah. um, I'm sure it's something that other organizers also feel strongly about at times is that it can be really tricky to navigate that when you personally don't think it's going to work for that person's home. Yeah. But yeah, garages, absolutely. Number <laughs> one, uh, anywhere. You can stuff things almost anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Really, I mean, truly. <laughs> I, I mean, for yeah. me, I think one of the big ones was just flat surfaces in oh, general. Yeah. Yeah. Flat surfaces encourage people to mm-hmm. add clutter to their lives yeah. inadvertently. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a few examples of this. In fact, our, our friend uh, Graham, who was in our first documentary, Minimalism, he, uh, he <laughs> whenever he designs homes, he would design them with as few flat surfaces as possible because he realizes these be, just become vectors for clutter. And so, yeah. oh, there's a kitchen counter. I might as well set something over there. Oh, there's a shelf. I'll set something there. Oh, I can there. get an air fryer now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> I can set my keys here, my wallet here. Yeah. Oh, I, I have a, a nightstand. I might as well put some lotions here. Oh, mm-hmm. and then, of course, my vanity in my bathroom. I need to set a few things on top of that. And before we know it, it's just like, there's things here, 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 here. And it looks like the most disorganized stock room mm-hmm. because we have all these flat surfaces that accumulate clutter. And the boundaries I've set up is if it doesn't belong there for everyday use, then it hides underneath in a drawer, a closet. But if I have to hide it, then there's another question. Do I actually need to keep it? Mm-hmm. Mm. I often encourage people to spend 10 minutes at the end of their day clearing a surface in their home. For me, it's my home office desk. Uh, not that there's very much on it to begin with, but I just make sure to reset it at the end of the day so that the future Julia in the morning is going to be very happy mm-hmm. coming back to that. Um, it's a negotiation in my family with the kitchen counter. I would like nothing at all. That's my dream. <laughs> I'm not going to get that. Uh, some people in my family don't want to have to pull out a toaster every time they use it. But, you know, we, we've been able to negotiate that mm. to what is appropriate. I also get asked all the time, like, what do I do if one of my family members is the one who's piling things on the surfaces all the time? Um, I have someone like that in my home, and they have a designated place for piling mm. where we've decided, we've set that boundary of, okay, in these spaces... You do whatever you want. I'm not going to micromanage that space. We're going to keep the other spaces clear, but there you can pile whatever you want right there. Yeah. Yes. Um, it wasn't worth the battle <laughs> yeah. to argue about that all the time. Um, yeah, so it is sure. a negotiation. Yeah. And if you can show the people the benefit of mm-hmm. not having the piles of mm-hmm. clutter, but I do like the boundary as well. Everyone having their own space. So you're mm-hmm. not dictating this is what you should do. This is what mm-hmm. you're supposed to do. But if there is a benefit because they see it, I mean... I noticed this with my wife. She would prefer having more things on the counter until we don't. 
And now all of a sudden she's like, oh yeah, I don't actually don't mind taking the toaster out two or three times mm. a week to you know, burn some toast. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we put that away. We do have a few things that we use every day. So we have a coffee kettle and we have a coffee grinder. That's the only thing that is on top of our uh, kitchen counters at all. And in doing that, she has recognized the calm and she's like, oh yeah, you know what? I didn't want this. I didn't want to do this, but I do want this end result. Mm -hmm. And so I'm willing to do this in order to get mm -hmm. that end result. Alabama, do we have some surprise questions here? How about we start one? Uh, Lillian has a question for us. For those of us who have trust issues with technology, what are the rules on how long to save and how to store important paper documents? Let's hmm. say, here's the thing. You can have trust issues with anything. Do you drive a car? Well, it's a how do you dangerous get... thing to, to do. <laughs> yeah. Do you not have a trust issue with your car, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe you do have a trust issue, so you have a horse and buggy. And, <laughs> but maybe now I have a trust issue with the buggies. I, the wheel mm -hmm. might break, right? And so yeah. we can always come up with an excuse as to why not to use something. I have trust issues with technology is a self-imposed limiting belief, a barrier that prevents us from letting go of the things. What is the real problem? It's not the trust issue with the technology. The real problem is how do I save and store important documents? Mm -hmm. Now, I suppose, Julia, you <laughs> run into a lot of important documents when yeah. you're helping people organize their homes. Yeah. Um, sometimes, So I work with some people virtually, people who are not in the LA area. We work over Zoom and I'll show them the quantity of paper in my home and how much I have because I want them to see what is feasible for a family. It's not mm. just me as an individual, but I have one file for my business and one for my family and that mm. is it. And I explain, here are the things that we need in the home and this mm. is it. Um, I always recommend consulting someone like an accountant when it's tax related. Mm. I don't just, just talk with the professional organizer, please get advice uh, yeah. regarding legal documents, tax documents, things like that. Um, but similar to other items in the home, I asked them the last time they needed to access this item. You know, when did you need that piece of paper? Whatever that was. Did you even know it existed before I pulled it out? Mm. You know, um, mm -hmm. paper to me is the hardest kind of clutter. Yeah. For me, it's harder than any sort of sentimental item because in a single piece, not a big deal. But most people have thousands of yeah. them. Mm -hmm. I recently reposted a picture of... Um, a house that we did for a woman in her 60s. She hadn't been able to see her desktop surface in more than like 30 years. Oh, wow. It was covered in paper. And we spent five hours, three of us, sorting every single sheet of paper for her, mm -hmm. letting go. She was not willing to do it. This was, it was a very tough job for us because mm -hmm. I really was hoping she would be willing to shred things. Mm -hmm. But at least we were able to get a clear surface again. Right. Um it's, again, like worth it, like I was saying before about when to hire someone. If you cannot bring yourself to deal with the paper and it's causing problems in your life for you and or your family, this is the time to outsource for other people. Yeah. Um, and if you do have a lot of fear about like a legal document or a tax document, this is where you consult that type of professional. All the other documents, though, you probably don't need them at all. Yeah. And as someone who was given all of my childhood homework <laughs> at <laughs> one point when my mom sold the house, all of that was tossed. She yeah. had thought, you know, the question earlier about, you know, somebody doesn't want to yeah, she had thought I would want this stuff. Mm. All of it's gone. Wow. I didn't want any of it. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> sad thinking about it that way. Mm. Um, but I personally have a parameter for my daughter. We'll see. She's only about to turn six. So I have one box that I'm keeping her memorabilia. 
through age 18. Will I adhere to this? I don't know. But as mm. someone who inherited, I don't know, 30 boxes of oh, stuff wow, from yeah. my childhood, yeah. and it was hor- it was a horrible experience yeah. to let that go. I don't want her to experience that now too. Yeah. So I know this wasn't the question, but it's never too early to start talking about decluttering paper, anything, really anything in life so that, yeah. you know, you can learn by what I did, what I had to do as what not to do. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, I don't know if this is going to help Lillian or, Lillian or not, but for me, mm. the paper builds up when I'm like, oh, I'll make a decision about that piece of paper later. Mm. It's mm-hmm. always this like later decision. And then I start making this pile of like, okay, there's mm. this or that, whatever it is. Um, it, what I have started to do, and I'm not perfect with it. Um, I say that because like I have some W-2s or something sent to me for taxes like that, you know, we we filed late, but I got to like eventually get through this stack of like, you know, whatever they sent me. Um, but uh, but yeah, for, for, for all intents and purposes, though, I, I don't put the decisions off as much as what I used to. Mm-hmm. That's what really helped me accumulate so much paper. It was like this just procrastination. Yeah, I yeah. My, the rule that I have is there's no piles. Yeah, I never have a pile of paperwork. Yeah. And, and so there's either a place for it. If I do need to file, I do have a file cabinet with one drawer mm-hmm. that's relatively sparse, but I keep a few things in there. So it reminds me of three rules that we have in the Minimalist Rule Book, which you can download for free, theminimalists.com slash rulebook. The first one is the just-in-case rule. I think that's why we hold on to most of the paperwork. Uh, you know, I just hold on to this just in yeah. case. Oh, you know, I might need that just in case. I don't know what the tax implications are, so I'm going to hold on to this just, just in, in case. case. And then well, before we know it, we have seven printer paper boxes of just-in-case papers that we'll never access. We don't even remember what's in there. And you start mm-hmm. going through it and you're like, I didn't know I had that. Why did I keep... Yeah. And so we hold on to all those just-in-case papers. You can let go of the just-in-case papers. There is another category, though, just for when. We have mm-hmm. something called the just for when rule. Now, these are some things. Like I'll give you a few examples. I have my birth certificate. I, it doesn't fall within the seasonality rule. I don't need it every 90 days, right? Mm-hmm. But there are times where I might need my birth certificate, my social security card. Those two things in particular are just for win items because there will be a time where I most likely need them. So I have them in a file and I might need to access them. I also have them backed up, though, digitally. What if my house catches on fire or hit by a hurricane or a tornado? Or Ryan comes through and just like reorganizes everything. <laughs> Starts lighting everything on fire. <laughs> so I have decided that I even need a digital backup to those things. Mm-hmm. But then there's this other category called emergency items. These are just in case items that we hold on to just in case of an emergency. Yeah, like and your I, will and testimony. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you're, some... some Tax documents. I don't hold on to the physical tax documents anymore because Ryan and I have talked to our accountant and he has said, hey, as long as you have a digital copy of these, you're totally fine. It's backed up on a server. Mm -hmm. And anything that I back up, I have redundancies. Not only do I have it on my local hard drive, but I use Dropbox or you can use a, a similar service as well. In fact, there are even places you can send off documents, $1 scan. There's a few others if you go back and and watch our scanning episode. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. We did a whole episode about photo scanning parties and and all of that. You can go back and you can actually figure out where do I want to send some things I want to deal, I don't want to deal with on my own, or I can have a photo scanning party, document scanning party on my own. The key to that though is about 90%, 90 plus percent of your documents, you never even end up scanning. You're like, why the hell was I holding on to this in the first place? 
Personally, I don't have my mailbox at my front door. I have to walk to the mailbox as it's part of a community. And this is helpful for me. So when I walk back in, I open it over the recycling bin. Mm. And then if I can recycle it immediately, it does not even enter my home. Mm. So that's been really helpful for me. And then also I have a small shredder in my home. I like shredding things quickly too. Because yeah. I dislike paper clutter so much, yeah. it's my it's really my least favorite. I just deal with it immediately because otherwise I would put it off. I would pile it. Yeah. Shannon has a question for us. What is the number one thing professional organizers recommend to prevent unnecessary items from coming into my house in the first place? Good question. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> Julia, Julia's answer. You talked about this briefly with yeah. the paper clutter there yeah. a moment ago. One thing that I do is I have an app called Paper Karma. This is not an ad, not sponsored. I don't know these people, but it's helped me eliminate a lot of the junk mail that comes into my house because it unsubscribes you from all of these different mm. junk mail lists. And so Paper Karma has eliminated probably 90% of the junk mail, which let's face it, the post office is now just a junk mail distribution service. It's unbelievable. Mm. I very rarely get something in the mail where I'm like, yay! Right. <laughs> right. And yet every day I'm bombarded with someone else's burden, someone mm -hmm. else's clutter. And so is there a professional organizer mm. solution for non-paper clutter? Yeah. So for me, I always like talking about my own experience with clutter and what has helped me personally. So mm. I don't know what all professional organizers will say. However, for me, when I really um, decided to eliminate debt, get on a plan with my husband, I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey and, and we use the Every Dollar Free app, which yeah. I also am not you know, get nothing for saying that. When I started logging every purchase that I made mm. and when our family started doing that, what came into the home really started changing. Oh, yeah. Like everything in my life changed when we had to do that. When I tell people that I did that, some of them look at me like, you are crazy. I could never do this. Or I can't even imagine sharing this information with my spouse. I'm like, how can you not be sharing this information? Mm. I didn't do that for years though. And I was just buying, 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 getting nowhere. So for me, that has what has helped me incredibly. And I often share that story with other people is that it prevents a lot of stuff coming in because I am physically logging it. I have the free version where you have to log it. It doesn't yes. auto go from the bank account, which makes me even more mindful of everything I purchase. So before I click the like instant buy on Amazon, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to be putting this into every dollar. Right. Do I, did I budget for this? Do I really want to do this right now? Mm -hmm. That has helped me so much. So that's usually what I share with people is that mindfulness about purchasing and also just like having that plan in your family. Yeah. No, I use the Every Dollar app as well. And I totally agree. Like there are some times where I won't buy something because I don't want to have to take out my phone, open up the app, put it in. Yeah, yeah. there's a little resistance there. Yeah. But yeah, I thought about getting the free version too. It's funny <laughs> you say that because yeah, I'm yeah. like, I don't want it to be automated. Mm -hmm. Like I want the pain of having to manually do this. Mm -hmm. You want to yeah. add that little bit of friction mm -hmm. because there's this common misconception. I want to remove all the friction from my life. I want my life to be seamless and easy all the time. When you remove all the friction, what you do is you lose traction. It's yeah. like to remove friction on the road, you just put ice all over the road, black ice, and you're sliding all over the place from guardrail to guardrail. You're going to crash without any traction at all. And so what you're talking about is just adding a little bit of friction that gives you the traction you need to avoid bringing those mm -hmm. excess things mm -hmm. into your home. Yeah. Kimberly has a question for us. 
I love the home edit, but it's so unrealistic that people have that much money to spend on stuff to hold their stuff. (laughs) What are some cheaper alternatives to keeping our things organized? Julia, you touched on this earlier, regardless of whether you have built-in closets, whether or not you have extra storage space, whether or not you have walk-in closets or an area to hide your things under your bed, you can declutter from where you are right now. You can have a beautiful and functional home without spending any money on organizational bins. Mm. And as I was saying earlier, like I love that organizing is more mainstream because of Netflix series like The Home Ed. And I think what they do is absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. When I watch their show and I see, especially the second season with the quantity of staff that they have with the container store truck on site, um, there was one episode in particular that really stands out to me, which is very different from my thoughts philosophically. It's a children's room that they did in the Valley. Mm. They ended up storing a lot of the girls' toys in the garage. And I thought, oh, this was not getting the the (laughs) problem of the clutter. We're just putting it into the garage. Uh, So... you know, it makes it look beautiful and and it also makes it look like all it takes is a, a group of people coming in once and then that's it. Um, so I think, unfortunately, it does a disservice to people who have a really serious clutter problem to believe that it's just buying things. Yeah. Um, I do get asked a lot about product. I do use it, as I was saying earlier, in people's homes. I have some in the trunk of my car right now that I carry mm. around for when I go to people's homes. Sure. Uh, Walmart has some less expensive options, but do you need that? No. Like, like I said, in my own home, I don't have this stuff. I just decluttered and the space opened up and I didn't need that. Yeah. Um, I have found it to be very helpful to have some dividers like you were talking about earlier, drawer dividers for certain types of people who mm. need that kind of structure to know where to put things. Mm. And especially, I know we were talking... How talk- dare you call me out like that, Julia? <laughs> I know we were talking about like not using a label maker, but for some families, when there are a lot of people in there, having that label, especially if every kid in the family can read yeah. or you can put a picture, it can get everybody on board with where to put things. Yeah, it's a great idea. And, and so there are things that can help enhance the space, but just doing that isn't going to solve the problem if you didn't declutter to begin with. Right, exactly. Because yeah. buying more stuff to solve the problem of an excess of stuff isn't going to solve your problem. Yeah. You know what will help my stuff problem? More stuff. More stuff. I just don't have <laughs> yeah. the right stuff to fit my overwhelmingly number of stuff I already have. Yeah. Ryan, yeah. I was already talking about this earlier because I want this to be a, a YouTube breakout real quick. I figured I would just touch on it. Briefly, on the private podcast, we were discussing, I brought someone in to our new home recently Hmm. and (laughs) uh, to help look at our closet situation. Someone from one of these closet companies that does organization, they might install different drawers or sections for the closet. And they gave me a quote and they're like, it's going to be 10 to $12,000. Now, I thought we were talking, you know, a fraction of that. Right. And so even if I could afford it, here's what I'll tell Kimberly. Just because you can afford it doesn't mean that you should bring it into your home. And so I decided no thank you to the closet salesman. Mm -hmm. And instead, I went to Ikea. I got a few little dividers that worked well for our closet. I spent instead of $12,000, I spent about $160. Although it was about $12,000 worth of anxiety going to Ikea. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I, I, here's the Ikea hack is you order online and they bring it out to you. Just I will never up. walk through another Ikea ever again. 
because of you've seen the blogs where it's like the people of Ikea getting into arguments. There's, yeah. there's a whole blog dedicated to people arguing inside of <laughs> Ikea. It's almost as though it's designed to help you argue with your significant other. Yeah. Well, what's happening here? Why are we arguing? Because we're arguing about the stuff because we want mm. different outcomes. Mm. And so ultimately, Kimberly, it's not about whether you go to some closet company to organize your closet or you buy some bins from the container store, some dividers from salt or wherever you go. Mm -hmm. But it's about understanding what is your outcome here? I want a more tranquil space. Okay, what's the outcome behind that? Well, because I want to be calmer, right? Mm -hmm. And so more bins... It might look nice, but it may not actually make your space more calm. If you're just hiding a giant hoard Mm. inside those bins, it might just be organizing the chaos. You're creating these clutter coffins Mm. to hide in your consumer mausoleum. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't do anything for calming that chaos in your mind or that chaos that's in your heart. I will say the one good thing that I found with some of these bins, though, um, that I'm going to take back a little of what I said. Not, not Maybe I am contradicting myself a little bit. For some people, having the bin can be a great objective parameter yeah. for how much stuff to keep. So in that case, you know, especially with kids' toys, we, we use them in this way. We can use a storage bin as a parameter that's not mom or dad of how many toys is reasonable for the home. Yeah. So we do use it that way often and successfully. And I've, I've had people have success with maintaining this way too. So as more toys come in, we use this box, whatever it is. This is how many toys. If it doesn't fit in there, we need to remove one. Mm-hmm. And then the box is the bad guy instead of mom or dad. So... There are ways that it can still be helpful in the decluttering process. I don't know if I really contradicted myself, but I do want to, I guess, give props to bins for that reason. (laughs) That they can shout out to bins. (laughs) It's always nice when you don't have to put the blame on the parents or like whoever the people are, and instead can just you know make the objects the one that make the decision. Yeah, we've done this with Ella recently. mm -hmm. So she has a bookshelf, Mm -hmm. and she wanted a new book. Well, her bookshelf is full. No problem. What book would you like to remove from the bookshelf? Mm-hmm. Because we don't have any more space for them. We're not mm-hmm. buying a second bookshelf. Mm-hmm. We're not putting your books somewhere other than the bookshelf. You have to have a place to store this, right? Mm-hmm. So setting up boundaries for your kids, but also mm-hmm. setting up boundaries, most importantly, for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am the most difficult person to set boundaries for. It's easy for me to say, Ryan, here are your boundaries. Oh. <laughs> Danny, your boundaries. Malabama, here are your boundaries. Professor Sean, Jordan, <laughs> here are your boundaries right? I can do that easily. But for myself, it's like, oh, wait a minute. I don't actually want boundaries. I want to be boundless. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. None of us actually want that. We don't want absolute freedom. Mm -hmm. We want the boundaries that enhance our life, Mm -hmm. that make our life smoother. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't have any boundaries, then we'll just go anywhere and everything will get in our way. Mm -hmm. Another question here. From Jennifer. How much of the TV show Hoarders is actually real versus a staged exaggeration? And what does the professional organizer community think about these shows? Well, Ryan and I were just at the Emmys and they sat us at the table with one of the hosts of Hoarders. No, they did not. (laughs) (laughs) Which somebody planned that. (laughs) Uh, Mark's his name, right? Or Matt. Matt Matt Paxton? Yeah. Okay. Matt Paxton, yeah. Uh Um, And his wife, uh, she was lovely. And they were talking to us about hoarding Mm -hmm. and the show Hoarders. And even he, he was like, I've 
seeing my own hoarding through these people, but it was easy for me to laugh and ridicule the stage five hoarders because right. they have you know, dead pets in their freezer or feces on the floor in the bathroom yeah. or they have blocked exits. And at least I'm not that bad. Right. We were on Rachel Cruz's show recently. Let's put a link to that in the show notes. We did like a 20, 30 minute TV show spot with her. We talked about the five stages of hoarding. Mm -hmm. And the truth is the first stage of hoarding, most people are stage one hoarders. Right. Light clutter in more than one room. And you're a stage one hoarder? Yeah, and no noticeable mm. odors. <laughs> well, you must be stage two then. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> so, Julia, we, we were talking to Matt about hoarding and about the TV show Hoarders, and it is a accurate representation oh, yeah. of these people's lives. Now, here's the thing. These are extreme cases, obviously. We don't feature stage one hoarders on the TV show hoarders because, like, that's everyone. Right. What we need to sensationalize things. So, we need to see stage five. Mm -hmm. We need to see the blocked exits. We need to see the tiny pathways so you can barely walk through someone's home. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, it is sensationalized for TV and edited in a way that makes it more compelling because, let's face it, we've also driven by a hoarder's yard, a hoarder's house. I'm not compelled in the sense that. I want to watch their yard for 30 minutes. So, of course, a TV show has to make it more compelling. But you work in people's houses all the time who are hoarders. They may not be stage five all the time, but you're seeing stage two, three, four hoarders. And it's very real. It's absolutely real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen the show Hoarders as well. Um, and I recently read Matt Paxton's book about legacy list and, and letting go. And I found it helpful in thinking about, you know, later in life, the things that I wanted to be remembered for in terms of mm -hmm. material possessions. Uh, yes, I see hoarded homes regularly. Uh, the home that I was speaking about earlier with all of the paper covering the desk was an example of that. And I think a lot of people that I work with are not, uh, they're aware that there's a problem, but they're, they don't see things the same way that an outsider would see it because they've got mm. so used to it. Yeah. And they do a lot of just stuff shifting. They're just turning things around. You know, they'll do, they'll just move things from one room to the next. Um, what I consider what I do is somewhere between what you see on the home edit and what you see on hoarders. It's very mm. much in the middle. Um, one thing that I find so fascinating is that when I work with people in Hollywood, which I do sometimes because I'm located in LA, mm -hmm. they don't allow me to take pictures of their home or videos of their home. Oh, wow. So what we see on the home edit is these celebrities super excited to come in, but what you're not seeing is celebrities who are in hoarded homes because yeah. of the shame that they have. I see these people. Sadly, they don't let me take a selfie like, you know, with them because they mm. don't want <laughs> right. they don't want anyone to know that it was like that. But um, whether you're a celebrity or not, mm. um, this is a very real problem that I see all the time. Mm -hmm. And I see it in homes that you don't see in movies. So, you know, some in a lot of movies, you see like the really wealthy home with the whole staff working in there and it looks pristine and immaculate. I see those homes in Santa Monica and Beverly Hills and Brentwood that are also hoarded. Oh, so wow. I see... Like I said, it's somewhere between where I exist is between the two. So I would say yeah. there is reality very much so to the show hoarders. But as you said, it is sensationalized. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's almost like, like, so these homes you're talking about, it's like these mm -hmm. beautiful pieces of art, really. Yeah. Uh -huh. But then when you cram it full of stuff, it mm -hmm. takes that beauty away from it. It's like throwing yeah. a cake at Mona Lisa. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Too soon, Josh. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm really just there to su support them. They already feel pretty terrible about the state yeah, of things. Right. And, um, you know, I, I often wonder at the show hoarders how they get people to agree to be on the show because many of the people I work with really strongly do not want any evidence of anyone knowing that it was even close to where they live, yeah. <laughs> where we were, yeah. I feel like 
the hoarders episodes are like people who are just like completely desperate. Like they're mm. just so desperate. Mm-hmm. They're like, fine, let's film it. Help me get yeah. rid of stuff. What's fascinating to me, and I'm kind of going off the rail here a little bit. What's fascinating to me is that show a lot of the times has instances where the home isn't safe. So there's so much stuff and there's so much weight that it structurally mm-hmm. changes the house. Mm-hmm. And then they always are like, hey, we your house is unsafe to live in. Like you need to move out. And so they'll move out, but they always end up moving back in. Mm-hmm. Like always just, yeah. So like for the show, they move out and then there's like a follow up and it's like, oh yeah, six months later, they just moved right back into the house and nothing really changed. Yeah. yeah. And the reason nothing changes is it don't get to the why. Mm. If you don't understand why you want to let go or why you're holding on so tightly. Hoarding is part of the OCD spectrum. Mm. It's the same thing as Spartanism, but just the other side of the spectrum. Mm. Spartanists can't hold on to anything. They keep letting go unintentionally, slipping off, right? It's like they have butterfingers and they can't hold on to anything. Mm -hmm. Relationships, stuff, careers, cities, etc. Hoarders can't let go of anything. And so they cling tightly. And the only reason that we cling tightly is because we don't see the benefits of letting go. Mm-hmm. If I can briefly share a personal story yeah. of how I relate to this. So I'm, I never identified as a hoarder at all. However, a lot of my life experience has very much have informed the way that I approach organizing. And as I was mentioning earlier with finding a therapist, you have to ultimately be the one asking for help. So yes. um, I have been in a rehab setting in my past. And when I saw people who came in there who were there by intervention, by their families, by court order, who had to be there oh, for their drug or alcohol addiction, yeah. those people were much less likely to get well, to get better than people who were there on their own accord. Yeah. Right? And so um, even if it isn't hoarding, I can relate to that because I have seeked help in the past. I had an eating disorder and I went to seek treatment myself. And ultimately, mm. I believe that's why I got better. Mm. It wasn't because somebody else asked me to do it. Yeah. Um, it was because I was ready and I was ready to get help at that time. But the other people that were there again through intervention, not so much. And so with that show Hoarders, I love that the show exists because if it motivates people to get help, that's fantastic. I'm sure some people do watch it because they just want to feel better about themselves. I mean, I think a lot of us watch TV to unwind and like, look at how much of a hot mess that house is or like any reality show. Look how much better I am. But if it leads people to seek help, that's fantastic. And I'm glad it exists. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a great point. Like you can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped. Mm Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. Alabama, let's check in with the Patreon live stream. Patrons, what do you got for us? We have a question from Deborah. She asks, what can we do about partners that leave things out? For example, we went on a trip and returned three weeks ago, and my partner's suitcase is sitting on a chair, still packed. This happened to me yesterday. This happens to me every trip I take. <laughs> <laughs> so let me explain what happened to me yesterday. I, um, I was working at a coffee shop. We don't have internet at home. And I came home for lunch. But Bex took off because she had to go send an email to someone. She's like trying to fix our air purifier because mm. it's under warranty and there's an issue with it. But she couldn't like email because we don't get, we don't get any internet signal on our phones. Mm. So she needed to like send a, something. So she had to leave. And when she left, she sort of left in chaos because she didn't realize I was going to come back. And mm. like, so there were like, three things on the counter. Yeah. I was, and I was like, what is going on here? This is not <laughs> like our house. This is not like Bex. Yeah. And at first I was just like, oh, what, what, is this like the new normal? All of a sudden I start telling myself these stories mm. 
these inaccurate stories, Mm -hmm. creating a mountain out of a molehill, telling myself a story that, oh, well, she doesn't care about my feelings. Mm. Oh, she's not being considerate of me. Mm. Oh, she is a hoarder now, I guess, because she has three (laughs) things on the counter. I guess she's a hoarder now. (laughs) And all of a sudden, it's like I'm escalating this thing in my mind. Quite often what happens is like, oh, no, no, no. I was going to get to that, but then I forgot about it or I had something else. And so I just didn't think about it. Mm. The truth is the person who just leaves the thing there, Deborah, on the counter, they don't think about it. It doesn't matter to them the way it matters to you. You can't make it matter to them, Mm -hmm. but you can show them how it does matter to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, like, Mariah is very good about putting her stuff away. I'm probably the one not as good at that. But uh, if there has been a couple instances where she had something out that I'm like, okay, like, I would really like this to be put away. So I put it away. I didn't, like, just you know, nag her about it and like make her feel guilty about it. It's like, oh, like I have a problem. So I'm going to do something about it. I'm not going to force her to do something about the problem that I have. I mean, nagging never works. Or no. passive aggression no. doesn't work. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I've been teaching during the pandemic, so my other career is that I'm a professor. I teach communication courses including interpersonal communication during the pandemic. There was Mm. this class I taught on Zoom. It was as pandemic as one could get, (laughs) I guess. Um, And a big thing we talked about in this class is about managing conflict during the pandemic when Mm. we are living closer than we ever have. We're with people we didn't live with before. We're spending more time with them. And nagging does not work. Passive aggression does not work. However, you know, actually talking, well, first of all, deciding whether it's worth making something out of, right? Mm -hmm. So like, is it worth me having an argument with my significant other roommate over the unpacked suitcase? Mm -hmm. Is it really worth it, you know, in the scheme of things? Is it? Um, So really taking a moment to step back and decide that for yourself Mm -hmm. before you even approach it. And then not just saying, oh, I see it's it's not unpacked. Another day has passed here. Or, you know, just staring at them or like giving them the cold shoulder. If it's really bothering you that much, you can talk to them and say, I really, you know, I feel really stressed in our home because I've noticed that this suitcase isn't unpacked. Would you mind if I put it away or when will you take care of it? Can you take care of it by this date? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that whenever you talk about things in I feelings, that this is how I feel, Mm -hmm. you're not putting blame on other people for their behaviors. You know, I feel really sad because of this. I feel really angry because of this. It's always a good way to approach things. But even just first and foremost, is it really that big of a problem? Was the three items on the counter a big problem? The suitcase not being (laughs) a Big problem. Is it worth the big argument? Right. Is it worth escalating? Is it or not? Right. Maybe not. And that's, I mean, for me, that's how I've found a lot of peace in my home Mm -hmm. is even though I would love it to be immaculate at all times Mm -hmm. because I am that level of perfectionistic in my home, I also realize I don't live alone. I also have a cat. He's very messy. It is what it is. So like, I'm not picking a fight with every member in my household, especially my cat. What is he going to do? I I just decide to instead try to find um, peace and happiness in in my home nonetheless, even with those things that may not be in my control. That's fine. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Like with a cat, (laughs) we'll clean up after a cat, no problem. Because I mean, they can't technically clean, clean up after themselves. But Why does that matter? Because I do know the feeling of like, that's bugging me. I want to take care of it. But because I didn't make that mess, I like there's this spitefulness where I'm like, well, I'm not going to clean up that other person's mess because they are capable. But like, I don't know why that matters to me as much. Um, I don't know why that matters. Yeah, I don't don't know why that one little factor of, well, they're capable, so, so they should do it. Really, 
I try to tell myself like, okay, this anger or this hostility, it's arising within me. Mm-hmm. I, they're not making me mad. I'm getting mad at something they did. So how am I going to handle this, this hostility? It's like, okay, well, I can physically do something about it. Yeah, I might feel a little bit of spite of like, oh, hey, they made that mess and I had to clean it up. But I'll tell you, sometimes like Mariah, like with my with the suitcase, for example, like I'll have, um, you know, we'll get them from a trip and it's sitting out two or three days later. And sometimes like she'll put it away. And when she does that, I'm actually like, oh, wow, like I'm kind of a jerk for not putting that away. Like, mm-hmm. so it kind of, mo- it kind of inspires me to stay ahead of it in the future because I do love my wife. I don't want her to just like, you know, clean up these little messes. Um, but, but yeah, so Deborah, the, 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 the tough advice is, is if, if it's bugging you that much, then put your husband's stuff away. And is it really just the suitcase or is this everywhere in the house? Yeah. Right. Cause there, there are so many degrees of this. Like if you can no longer walk easily in your home or get like your bed is so covered because your significant other is putting all of their stuff on it. That's a very different scenario than a couple items here sure. and there. Yeah. And I do think that if it becomes that severe, uh, you can set a boundary of like your half of the bed is not going to have stuff on it or whatever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but one item like that, is it really worth it? I think that's really worth asking no, yourself. No, it is a good question. Yeah. So I probably shouldn't have handled the way I did. And she came home. I said, what the hell is wrong with you? How many black eyes that she had? This is over. <laughs> no, I mean, that's actually the beautiful thing about our relationship is um, we never argue about these things. And we can talk about them in a way that is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But it is exactly mm-hmm. what you were talking about. The communication side is never mm-hmm. blaming. Yeah, It's never, you made me feel this way. Mm-hmm. Right. What you did also didn't make me feel this way. Yeah. What's it's, the uh, Schopenhauer quote that I butchered uh, a few weeks ago? Uh, Ryan doesn't enjoy Paris. He enjoys himself when he's in Paris. Mm. It's not that you're actually enjoying. And it's also the same thing with your home. It's not your home or your partner or the things that are stressing you out. Mm-hmm. You are stressing yourself right. out when you are around those things. Yeah. So mm-hmm. instead of blaming someone, you go to them and basically you're like, hey, I'm sorry for the way that I am. Like there's <laughs> something wrong with me because this is how I feel. Like instead mm-hmm. of being like, you did this and you did that. And because of you, now there's this. I mean, that, yeah, two completely different uh, ways to address the same situation. What you're talking about is de-escalating versus escalating in a way. Bex and I were talking about this on her podcast on the most recent episode of How to Love. And the thing that we were talking about is we're always looking out for the other person. There's no definitive assigned task because there's no ledger in the relationship. And I noticed that with Ryan's in my relationship as well. There are no ledgers in our relationship. It's not like with Bex, oh, I made the bed, so you do the dishes. Mm -hmm. Oh, I cooked dinner, and so now you're going to uh, vacuum the floor. Mm -hmm. Oh, you vacuum the floor, so I guess I have to clean the bathtub. No, no. It's like, what do I have the capacity to do right now? I'm going to do that. And if I have more capacity to do more things around the house, or if I'm just more eager to do more things around the house to keep it more tidy, then that is on me. Mm. I'm not going to burden you with that. But I'm also going to ask, would you be willing to step up and help remove some of the burden from me whenever you notice it? Mm -hmm. And asking it that way, would you be willing to help me? Not would you would clean up your stupid mess. Mm. Because even even if you don't say it that way, the spiritual undertone of, hey, clean up your stuff is I think it's stupid. I think it's wrong. I think it's incorrect. It's not loving at all. Absolutely. It's the opposite of loving. What is loving? I can help you with it. Bex had a phone book sized thing on our counter for a day recently. It's uh, she's trying to pick a doctor with her new health insurance plan. Mm -hmm. And it's just sitting there on the counter. 
And I put it away for her, but I took it one step further and I said, hey, I know you're going to get to that, but I just put it here. I want to show you where I put it so that you don't feel like I just reorganized your stuff, hid your stuff from you. I'm going to put it here so you have access to it for when you get to it later this week. Yeah, I'm going to have my clients listen to this episode because I want them <laughs> to hear what you just said. Uh, I work mainly with women. Um, those are majority of people who hire me. Mm. And, and for the most part, they feel like they're in this alone in their mm. home. They don't, even if they aren't living alone, they feel like they are the ones who are responsible as yeah. the mom, as the wife to take care of everything, no matter what. And so I think what you were just saying about really making it a partnership, that these are shared responsibilities, there isn't some ledger there, but we are all here to support each other. Mm-hmm. All my clients could listen, need to yeah. listen to that. They could really benefit from that. Well, when you keep count I feel like it's it always ends up being like a zero sum game. Like you're never going to be at 100%. You're always going to have something that's like stewing to be like, well, they owe me. And like when you have that attitude in a relationship, it removes the love, it removes the compassion. But like if any difficult conversation, if your context, if you're holding compassion as your context when you're having a difficult situation, like those conversations go so much, uh, so much better than if your context is... I'm really going to make this person pay for the way they made me feel. Two completely different, yeah, roaches. Speaking of partnerships, Ashley's question here, which I think is probably a great place to wrap up. My mom wants me to clean her house and rearrange her clutter for her. I offered to hire a professional organizer instead, but she's nervous about strangers being in her house. Am I stuck doing this myself? Help. Yep, Ashley, sorry. All right, great show, (laughs) y'all. It's interesting that you feel compelled to do this as though you have to do this. Not this is something that you want to do or get to do, but you feel like you have to do it. You are obligated. I'm sure you run across quite a few people, Julia, who feel obligated to help everyone else with their clutter. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I mean, as I was saying earlier, unless the unless you want help yourself or that person wants help, it's really a moot point. It it shouldn't... I I don't go in an intervention type settings. Mm -hmm. People have to willingly let me into their home, even if it's really, really hard for them. Right, but with Ashley's mom, she does want the help. Maybe. She's scared. I I only want Ryan to clean out (laughs) my house. I'm not going to do it myself. I'm only only going to stop doing drugs if you do (laughs) X, Y, and Z, and otherwise Uh, I'm just going to be an addict. I mean, like that's kind of what it sounds like, right? Yeah. That's yeah. what Ryan used to say to me all hmm. the time. That's right. I'm like, gosh, I I would, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen the things he asked me to do, Danny. <laughs> well, I did them all and he still stayed on drugs. I mean, if her mom is willing to have potentially have someone, she's scared, but she's willing, having an outside third party that isn't related to you, isn't your friend, can be incredibly helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, time and again, I have seen things depart a home mm-hmm. that a couple or a family has been arguing about for decades. And then when a stranger comes in and just kind of presents it as it is, things change. Yeah. So I think that this person does still have, can have a lot of hope for their mom, but ultimately it's the mom's choice of whether or not she wants to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, if she doesn't do it, there may be a lot of things after she passes away that she will ultimately be in charge of dealing with. But mm. unless her mom truly wants one, I would not bring in someone against their will. However, Definitely as not. I was mentioning when we first started talking, taking the time to 
interview a professional organizer, see if they're actually a good fit, see if it makes sense to hire them, or maybe hire a therapist in this situation. I don't know the severity of the situation. I've definitely worked with clients where I did not feel like it was the most appropriate fit Mm. and may refer them to someone else or do something in tandem with that too. Mm -hmm. But taking the time to find someone that you can trust is worth it uh, if it's not working for her to help her mom. But if her mom is willing why not try like having a conversation with a few people? Yeah. So, so Ashley, it's no, you're not stuck doing this yourself. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is how can you work with your mother to come to a, a common agreement or, or a solution that you both can agree on? That's how you approach this. It's like, mom, I do want to help you, but I'm not, I'm not going to take this responsibility on 100% myself. So here, here's how I'm willing to help you though and lay out some different options. But yeah, Ashley, no, just because your mom is thrusting this responsibility on you doesn't necessarily mean you you have to own that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I If I were in Ashley's shoes, I would say, yes, I will help you, mom. Mm-hmm. I love you. I care about you. Clearly, you're asking for help because you're asking for yeah. help. But I also need help here. And that help is from a professional organizer. That's great, man. And if you want to find someone you trust, well, I, I would... Say start with Julia. Sure, why not? (laughs) Goldenwestorganizing.com is Mm -hmm. her website. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. If you go there as well, goldenwestorganizing.com, you can find all of her social media accounts there as well. Is there anywhere else we should send folks? That's Those are the main places, the website and mainly our Instagram is where we have most of our updates. Cool. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Julia, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. You're doing great work. This was wonderful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, this is awesome. All right, patrons. Thank you. See y'all. Love people. Use things. See you soon. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it.